Hello and welcome to Don't Spoil the Ending, episode 51. How are we all? We're good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm Joe. Hi, I'm John. I'm Sam. And I'm Steve. Good to see you all. It's nice, nice to be back on the pod. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A bit more regular this time. What was it? A two week break this time? Rather than a two year break? No, still two months. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> My concept of time has completely disappeared. Well, even it's February and it's the first one this year. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so how is everyone? Is everyone okay then? Uh, any Anyone done anything interesting recently? Yeah, very good, thanks. Uh, just get your opinion on uh, Neil Young taking his music off Spotify. Of in course. A, in a response to Joe Rogan's misinformation peddling. Yeah. He's backpedaled though, hasn't he? Joe Rogan. wasn't expecting that. He's, he's half apologised, hasn't he? Oh, Max, Classic for our pod. I've not looked into it any further. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Joe Rogan, isn't it? So. <laughs> I think he uh, he made an apology for. He said that he'll like um, he'll he'll check his, check his guests out a bit more beforehand. I think I'll, I'd have to find the statement. But was, was it like an apology where he's apologising for people being upset? It was it's like not actually an apology. Yeah. It was like I'm sorry that you were offended by. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Sort of yeah, thing, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. What what are, what are people's opinions on that in this room? He said he, said he was going to try and change in his apology, but like, it, I mean, his whole podcast is like built on being a bit controversial. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's an open space, isn't it, for yeah. even lunatics to go on and say what pedal whatever they want. Um, and to be fair, like I've listened to some of the I've, I've listened to a lot of Joe Rogan. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, and. I'm not going to touch the COVID stuff because I'm just, I am not interested in it. But in terms of like, he's had some guests on like, um, can't, I'm losing the, he wrote fingertips of the gods, fingerprints of the gods, I think. It, it's like, a, it's almost like a, an alternate history that that guy believed. And he was more or less peddling like alien history. And like, I'm fine with that. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Yeah. What's his little pal called? Is it Jamie? Joey Diaz or something? Or? Oh, I was talking about Jamie, the guy who always helps. Yeah. Yeah, Joey Diaz, is that right? Is that right? I don't know. Is he like a former UFC fighter or something? There's the two Diaz brothers. I don't know if any of them, I'm sure they've been on the show. It's just that whenever they get Alex Jones on or anything else, I said I wouldn't mention Alex Jones. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, whenever they get him on, Diaz eats eats up anything Jones will, you know, tell him kind of thing. Oh, it's like Joe Rogan's little sidekick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a little little helper, kind of. Well, just a little little, little guy in the corner kind of thing, you know. (laughs) Anything Jones comes out with, he'll just gobble it up, yeah. kind of thing. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, like I think, like Emma mentioned, the, the whole point of his show is to be controversial. And Spotify bought his show knowing that, not knowing there was a pandemic around the corner that like would change the entire like flux of that, that controversy, kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, do you know what I mean by that? Like, it's just weird how the pandemic is like. I say with Trump, people people would say, like, you know, like, oh, you know, we'll say it like his and stuff like that. And it's like, Things changed at a certain point. It's not a joke anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this they, isn't funny anymore. I feel like Spotify <laughs> they purchased a certain uh, variety of controversy, and they didn't want this type of controversy. Yeah, exactly. uh, that's prop. They've probably strong armed him into making that. You know, I think it was an apology he put out, but yeah, his like uh, his whole platform was I let anyone say what you know talk kind of thing, and I get I get the opinion of all sides. It's like. That isn't what we need right now, though. <laughs> like, I mean, the issue with it as well is, like, I think that's genuinely what his platform's meant to be. But in practice, it doesn't really work like that. It seems like all his guests are um, 
the more controversial guests. It doesn't seem like he has that many. But it doesn't have the other side to balance. Yeah, I, I feel like he's like he's fine saying, "Oh, he's uh, he's going down the central line and he's uh, trying to do a measured approach to both sides of the debate." But I feel like he doesn't have both sides of the debate on his show. He put on. Oh, I get. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's controversial, so he probably gets better numbers out of it. That he leans towards the controversial people, but it feels like he definitely gives more time and uh, to that nature of guests, yeah. and that's why I just cannot stand it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like <clears throat> proper pick and choose like what I listen to. So if the <clears throat> if the guest is interesting, I'll listen to it. But if it's just somebody has on, I'm not listening to four hours of just yeah. something you've never heard yeah. of. You don't know what they're going to be talking about. Opinion about whatever yeah. subject they're on. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. but. <clears throat> With everyone like pulling the music or their content from Spotify, I don't listen to any of those people that have pulled the content, so I'm not bothered <laughs> anyway. It's not like it doesn't affect me. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's had a lot of different types of guests on, though, and he's like, uh, I've listened to the Brian Cox episode where he's asking about space and stuff. Um, yeah, exactly. So, you know, he has had some reputable people on as well. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, there is, there is a. Just a report the other day saying that like uh, the lockdown in terms of COVID has done more harm than good and stuff. Some like legitimate government report that came out. And it's like there is elements of what he's trying to get at which are interesting to look at. But then he has like I say, is it Nate Diaz or Joey Diaz? I can't think. But you'll have Diaz then like talking to Alex Jones the week after, and it's like I think that's yeah. I think you're, there's there's like a gem of truth, uh, like a little gem of truth in what he's saying. But he's just so surrounded in other pointless nonsense yeah, the, that it just ruins any like sort of credibility yeah, that yeah, even a tiny little bit yeah. It, yeah just takes it away and, I've, uh, I've just looked it up uh, Fingerprints of the Gods was a book by Graham Hancock that was the fella um, ah, right, okay. I, I don't mind listening to him ramble on even if uh, it's probably not true yeah. um, he's done episodes of Ben Shapiro I can't say that I agree with everything Ben Shapiro says but I you know I've enjoyed those Joe Rogan Ben Shapiro episodes yeah past. yeah um, like you said, you mentioned Alex Jones before. I can listen to that. Uh, you listen to his podcast, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy uh, Knowledge Fight. That's, uh, that's oh, a, yeah, that's, that's, a, a, that's, a, that's a good <laughs> podcast. Um, I, I do like Knowledge Fight. Yeah. <laughs> a bit different from uh... a <laughs> <laughs> bit different from Infowars. Yeah. Um, oh, I'd lo- I'd love to talk about Infowars. I've I've got uh, I I've flicked that on before and took notes of some of the stuff I've seen on there, and you would not believe that 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 show goes out in that context it, it, it's insane yeah. I'll get some I'll get me notes for the next episode we do we'll we'll cover that there's there's a there's a laying a seed there planting a seed for the next episode I am well up for a conversation about Jones uh, angel investor yes or no angel investor yeah in terms of involves do they have some like billionaire just keeping this whole show afloat kind of thing <laughs> judging the ones how are they how are they saying <laughs> Judge, listen to it. He plugs his merch like every ten minutes on the show. Well, surely people aren't buying the bone pillows and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they must be. But... <laughs> yeah, judging, judging on the amount of adverts I saw for his, uh, you know, miracle vitamins, uh, I'm imagining that's where it's coming from. And you know, his bomb shelter equipment. All well, that must be for food. He sells legit, actual food. Yeah. Your bomb the, only, uh, the only problem with doing a show on Alex Jones is um, first, someone who loves free speech so much, he would probably just sue us immediately for saying stuff that he didn't like us. <laughs> He, wouldn't, he wouldn't, you know. He wouldn't. No, he would. No, he found out about the, the Knowledge Fight podcast. He's complained about it a few times on his show, but 
I don't think he's got any. any oh, any I need to listen to the episodes where they discuss about knowledge fighting. He found out about six months ago. I think I told you, Joe, at the yeah. time that, that, that the point when he found out was really interesting. But he has kind of painted himself into a corner where there's, there's loads of TNCs in terms of InfoWars saying that anyone can take this show and use it to do whatever they want. Him thinking people will publicise the show with it, not thinking we'll do a podcast where they completely eviscerate it. Completely. <laughs> like just yeah, just in case anyone's not clear what the knowledge fight is, it's two guys who literally play clips of Alex Jones on Infowars and then immediately tell you how he's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and it's fantastic. I have actually found a couple of notes from uh, you know I took some notes watching Infowars, so I'll, I'll share a couple of little notes here. Um, one show started once with trigger warning: may offend liberal snowflakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was that was a that was a little tagline once on uh, the start of one of the shows. Um, another one, there was a dramatic. So this is in my notes right in. So I, I've, I'm just reading this as I've written it. Uh, there was a dramatic little video package with scurry music narrated by Alex about the banks taking over the world and the impending financial crash, the Great Reset. Followed directly by an advert for his survival shield iodine drops, set to nice happy music. Followed by another advert shilling eight different products, such as knockout sleeping pills, the strongest sleeping pills we make. <laughs> so there's there's a uh, lot of adverts on there. Um, yeah, they had a uh, even when they have callers on, like it'll cut to a big screen with like it's not like you'll you'll see like a, an image of a telephone or anything. It'll be like a talking waveform, and that's all that you'll see. There's yeah. no like you don't see Alex talking to them. You hear this. You hear this voice and you see a, a, a waveform. Like a disembodied voice or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's one thing worth mentioning, not to get too deep into the InfoWars thing, but the studio they recorded in, it's an amazing studio, but it looks like it's been put together back a 13-year-old or something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, it's, dead, it's obviously dead expensive. No, hang on. Studio. Alex tried really hard. <laughs> <laughs> but do you get what I mean like, in terms of the design choice? It's an amazing studio in terms of that cost of fortune. You can tell looking at it. But as if, like, they put, like, a 13-year-old in charge and, like, oh, some blue lights here and stuff. And, do you know what I mean? It doesn't look like a, a legitimate news reporter studio. It looks like a teenager's bedroom or something. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks more like... Yeah, like a teenager's idea of a new studio. Like, yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. It's like... Oh, she likes everywhere well, and stuff. And, just looking at some of my more notes here, it's like when they've got guests there in, in that studio... Uh, they had one guest there who was just smoking a cigar while they were doing the interview. Just sat there smoking a guitar. I nearly said guitar then. <laughs> a cigar. And uh, one last quote that I took. Uh, this is word for word from the show. Uh, oh, hello, paedophile Elmo. Uh, that was said on the show, talking about Elmo. There's <laughs> just <laughs> no rhyme or reason to it. I'm sure there's something about that, though. I can't, I can't just take a stab in the dark here, but there is something about the guy who played Elmo or something. Is this like Pizzagate or Elmo? Elmo gate. I swear there's some controversy about Elmo and I, I'll look it up later. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to this. I'll come back after the break yeah, yeah. this. <laughs> Just one final thing as well. He hired he hired a legitimate female journalist to play a liberal snowflake on the show so he could then argue with her. And she was called Rainbow Snatch and she had like purple hair and stuff. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He did like a whole comedy sketch where she was like, shut up Alex, I'm a liberal. <laughs> <laughs> I love the whole liberal snowflake thing because they get upset at the easiest things yeah. and then they're immediately the ones who call them people snowflakes. <laughs> like Tucker Carlson got upset that, you know, Eminem, gingerbread oh, yeah, people, yeah. gingerbread men and women and gingerbread person. He got upset about that. Yeah. That gingerbread men aren't necessarily just men anymore. Mm. It's, <laughs> it's a biscuit. It's a very Piers Morgan kind of thing as well. So he gets very upset about stuff like that. Oh, he's scum as well, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, let's, let's move on from InfoWars. I, I thought we were going down a side track there rather than a full main road. That's our um, spin-off podcast. Oh, yeah. We'll get that, get that in the books. Um, <laughs> uh, is anyone, uh, does anyone want to start with what they've watched recently or played or anything? Um, where, where should we start today? Yeah, well, I've got a couple of things myself. Uh, I'll jump into a game if that's okay. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that on the last pod, but I've got a cruising blast now on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> cruising! Cruising! <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I think I mentioned before, my, my game of the year was Hot Wheels Unleashed. I like uh, arcade racing games. <clears throat> and it's literally a conversion of the uh, the recent arcade coin-op uh, that came out. Only for Switch, because Nintendo owned the cruising licence. Uh, and it's amazing. Fantastic. It's probably... If I'd have played it before the last part, I'd have put it joint top with a Hot Wheels Unleashed as Game of the Year. Uh, amazing fun, controls really well, really good game. The only thing is that with it being an arcade conversion, they're quite light on tracks to play on. They have that whole Mario Kart uh, thing to it. Have you, you guys have played Mario Kart recently, haven't you? Where you play, I, not recently, I would say. Oh, <laughs> you play Grand Prix, I think it's in all of them, to be honest. Uh, you play a Grand Prix, and it's like four races within that tournament. You win the four, you go on to the next tournament. It's the same kind of structure with us. There are six tournaments with four races in each, but that's literally it. That's all there is to the game. Like, uh, yeah, it sounds a bit like Horizon Chase Turbo with, you know, like, I suppose there's quite a range of tracks on there, but the idea is you do small cups, isn't it? Yeah. Um, with that, though, Horizon Chase Turbo, there were loads of, like, tournaments and tracks in there, weren't there, to do? Yeah. Lot with this one, you could, you could literally blast through in the night, which I did. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, a, but the, the, it's unbalanced because you've only got like, what's this times four? 30. 32. Oh, 30. Is it? Wow. 20, uh, 20. Six times four is. Uh, <laughs> it's 24, isn't it? 24. 24. Is Jesus. That's like, that like 24. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were yeah. just, just when you edit that, just make it 24. So there's only 24 tracks to do. There's like, you don't want medium, you want hard, and extra hard. You don't, kind of thing. Extra hard is really tough, but so there's only the twenty four. There's only twenty four tracks, but there's like there's probably about thirty odd cars, and you've got to level the cars up to get them like to the top level. And once you've leveled up about four, you finish the game. So it's like, what? What do I play now to level up the other ones? I'm trying to keep doing the same stuff over and over. Yeah, it's a bit unbalanced with that. So I want to level them up. But it's like I'm trying to play the same tournaments. You know. There is talk of DLC coming to it that they've got to get. Also, I was about to say after Hot Wheels last last time you mentioned DLC, I was going to say you sure you'll buy DLC will, for this. I will buy it for this one. <laughs> <laughs> this is different though, Liz. Uh, so there is apparently there is DLC coming, but when that'll be? They've been talking about it for months now since it released, but uh, still not out. But it needs it this one. They need more tracks in there to keep it. <coughs> Otherwise, Fresh. it's just a really like slim arcade conversion kind yeah. of thing. But uh, it's amazing though. Uh, joint top game of the year with Hot Wheels Unleashed. Very good, yeah. very good. Um, I was ju- just as a side point to that. You mentioned DLC and Horizon Chase Turbo. I don't think I mentioned this on the last show, but have you seen the uh, Senna DLC they did for Horizon Chase Turbo? I didn't know they did it. So they did a, an Ern Senna based DLC. It's got Formula One tracks in it, Formula One cars in it, and uh, it basically makes the game look like the old, uh, you know, Monaco GP from like 1990 or whatnot. They, ch- they turned Horizon Chase Turbo into that old game. Like just with a bit of DLC. Oh, that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I've just showed you some more DLCs by the way. <laughs> I'll have a look at that tonight when I get back. Yeah. Uh Pop Quiz. Oh yeah. Where did Ed and Senna die? Uh Imola. Oh, what was it? San Marino? One of them. 
I don't know. Oh, the two. Was up with you this? Yeah, it was 1994. I feel like it was the uh, San Marino Grand Prix. I'm going to kick myself. That's wrong. He was a, a Williams driver once at the time. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Did you have anything extra to add to that? No, sorry. Just, just thought I'd throw it <laughs> You put me on the spot first with what's four times six, and now it's like, <laughs> where did Ayrton Senna die? <laughs> um, Probably those questions is much harder than before. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I got that one right, the Senna one. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay. Um, no, no, sorry, I meant like the center one was harder than the <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was the San Marino Grand Prix oh, in 1994. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Got a C in my GCSE maths as well, just putting that out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, have we played any more games this week? A year, two years, two months, however long it was? <laughs> I've well. I'm sure I mentioned on the last podcast that I've got a little bit of spare time in a minute because I don't work anymore. So I've been using it to... Uh, <laughs> Left a nice little pause there. <laughs> so uh, I've been using it to smash through a lot of like games with a longer storyline that take a little bit of time that ordinarily I just wouldn't have a chance to get through. Um, so this year so far I've managed to knock out The Witcher 3 with both sets of DLC. Did you finish that? Oh yeah. Congrats, yeah. well done. It's a long one. I don't work anymore, so I have an extra eight hours a day job. So, yeah. <laughs> you get for a game quite quickly. Yeah. Um, no, but I, it's one of those games where I've always really bounced off it. I play like a couple hours and then don't go back to it. And then a few months later, I'll start again from scratch, do a few more hours and never go back to it. And I think that's just because, you know, I don't always get the time to play games. But then having the time now has meant that just smash through it. And it's just. I know I'm like, what, five, six years behind on it, but yeah, it's a good game, isn't it? It's all right, that. Similar to you, Steve, I've bounced off that like three times, but I've bounced off for like 20 hours, 30 hours in. Like I've done like, you know, significant parts of the early story in that game and I've loved it and then I've just dropped off it. It's it's a strange one. Can I jump in there? Like, you've made me think of an idea. I bet people have come up with this, but it's not been games, I don't think, so it can't be a thing yet. With a game like that, my issue with The Witcher, you'll play 20 hours, they won't play for three months and then they go back to like, where was he even up to? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, well, that's that, that was like what my problem, why I kept bouncing off it was, I would just leave it for weeks and then yeah. go back and they'd go, I'm going to have to start again. But why, in a game, why don't they do like a previously on feature? Where like Some do though, don't they? The Witcher 3. <laughs> <laughs> the Witcher 3 actually does. There's a little cutscene. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah, yeah, it does. There's, there's like a little cutscene that like gets you, it doesn't give you a full, but it gives you like a gist of what you're up to. It's like a little sort of comic booky still images that are voiceover, which when you're travelling from region to region, it does it every time you travel from region to region. It gets very annoying. It's it's much needed when you've took a couple of weeks away though, doesn't it? Because you load the game up and you instantly get the main story beat that's just happened. And you're like, oh yeah, I remember now. Yeah. Well, I could, I did all the story stuff I could possibly do apart from the Gwent tournament in Pataflora because the person you play first uses a spy-based Gwent deck, which I hate playing. Um, sorry you hate Gwen no I like Gwen okay. I hate playing against spy based Gwen okay. decks because they are really irritating because the card advantage is just a pain in the ass to play yeah. against just to point out Steve Joe you convinced me and John to buy The Witcher 3 on release did I? Uh, yeah <laughs> back in like 2015 and whatever and uh, it came with a pack of Gwen cards when I got a yeah. game yeah, so I've got that old still and unopened I, I absolutely love Gwen I think that's that's one of the in terms of like side game card games that are in Games, uh, that's I love Gwen. She's great. Yeah. It makes me nostalgic for Final Fantasy VIII. Triple Triad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like okay. some of the stuff where you've got to specifically beat certain people to get good cards. That's 
straight for triple drive as well. Yeah, he is. There's the uh, to get the Laguna card from Final Fantasy VIII. I think you've got one opportunity in the entire game to get it, and if you don't get it, you've missed that card and you can't get it. There's a kind of what card is? It might have been the Rona card. You've got to lose. It's weird. It's like specifically you've got to lose a copy. Of it. This is really boring. Yeah, they, <laughs> you've got to, you've we got have to some this. in the weeds. <laughs> right. So the other game we've been playing um, is uh, uh, in addition to completing my uh, Witcher Three and all its DLC, uh, I also knocked out Mass Effect One and all its DLC because the Defense Edition is now on Game Pass via EA. Is it EA Access? Yeah, Access. Yeah. Um, so we're within Game Pass in it. Now. Yeah. So if you play for Game Pass Ultimate, you get it thrown in. So I've done Mass Effect 1, um, which is still a really good game. Like, uh, oh, yeah, definitely. It's crazy. It's such a good game. Um, it's a lot shorter than I remember. Like, I think I did pretty much everything, and it was definitely under 20 hours, like, not going Oh, long. really? Yeah, it's not a long game, the first Mass Effect. Um, and then I went straight on to Mass Effect 2, because I'm going for the achievement where you play the same character through all three. Um, and um, I think about 30 hours into that one. Um, and I think probably 75% done of the story and I'm like just smashing through everything but because these are different editions when I first played the Mass Effect games I didn't do any of the DLC on them at all so it's been nice to go back and have all the extra DLC stuff Mass Effect 1 DLC was just like uh, like two extra things it sort of wasn't like a big deal but Mass Effect 2 with the um, so the DLC for that is terrific like the uh, you can tell it will come after the main story because like the enemies you fight are more interesting and there's a, they try and build a puzzle more into the actual game um, so you have this Shadow Broker DLC which uh, has some really cool little mechanics for some of their fights and almost feels more like a traditional boss fight where there's a specific way that you meant to down on boss stuff like that but yeah I've been just smashing through that just why I've got a bit of spare time I played the Mass Effect trilogy for the first time at the start of this pandemic. What played them, like you asked, they played them back to back. Um, the remasters weren't out by then, so I played the PC versions with downloaded HD textures and stuff, so they were may as well have been uh, yeah. remasters. And yeah, I thought they were amazing. But there's that scene in the first game which always comes back to me, which, what's the little alien fella called? I <laughs> you're going to have to most frustrated. <laughs> there's a lot of aliens. There's the... Um, He's a playable character in what the second game, I think. But in the first game, you go to a planet and he's like lined all his soldiers up and he's given a speech. Are you following me? So I feel like you're about General Kahi, who's a Solarian, but he's not a playable character in the second game. It's a different guy who knows him. Of course, it's a different. It's a different species. It's yeah. the same species, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no. yeah. So like that that scene, big species, that really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look the same, Joe. <laughs> Yeah, there's that like that specific scene where he's given all the instructions out to the team. We hold the line. With the we hold the line, like speech that he Great does. Great speech. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, the thing with the Mass Effect universe is it's such a good, well-realized universe. Amazing. They just like pulled it out of the back pocket because like this is Bioware, and you know they were meant to make another Nice Joe Republic game, and the license got pulled, so yeah. they just turned around and went, "All right, we'll just do our own thing," and then did Mass Effect, which is like one of the best sci-fi RPGs. Like, no, it probably is the best sci-fi RPG. Like, full stop. I'll just mention it while I think of it. It reminds me of Bungie, who did the same thing with Halo. He got out of the Halo game and made Destiny shout out of nothing kind of thing. By the way, I did that with a uh, Nazi Old Republic. Did oh, okay. kind of thing. But Bungie had been bought by PlayStation. That's right. I believe so. Yeah, Bungie had been bought by PlayStation. Yeah, that's right. For yeah. like For nearly four billion. Four billion, yeah. Yeah. Bargain. Just a bit of news there. Just thought I'd that out. Yeah. Cheers for the news, John. Yeah, yeah. News update. Yeah, I put that last week. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, right. Let's let's take a little break. 
And we're back from break. Uh, right then, uh, well, where should we go next? I, I think we should probably go to television next. Uh, has anybody watched anything interesting recently that they want to talk about today on the podcast? <laughs> I've watched a couple of things. <clears throat> They'll be quite short and sweet. One of them is Dexter, which oh. I said I'd watched the first few episodes of last time. Season. Well, it's Dexter season New Blood. One of Dexter New Blood, which I already don't like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really like the title, title sequence uh, of Dexter New Blood. And I mean, it doesn't, just doesn't get much better from there. Really. <laughs> wow. the, cast, the, the cast is awful. I think Har- Harrison is terrible. I've seen some people say like they really quite like him. I just can't warm to him whatsoever. And I think you're supposed to warm to him. I just can't. And I think his character is supposed to be sort of okay. You you're on his side. Yeah. Whereas there's there's bits where I'm just like, oh, just I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the cast is really really bad. I don't I just don't like them. I'm so disappointed because I've not watched uh, after raving about the first episode and watching the second one. I've not actually gone back and watched the rest of them yet. So you're not yeah. filling me with confidence. I won't bother. Okay, just, just drop that one. <laughs> but I just <clears throat> it seems to be going place with the storyline that you quite like, and it feels like the old Dexter. And then it gets to because the, the, basically, I'm sure they were doing this season because they didn't like how season eight finished, like the finale of that. Nobody did. <laughs> but they've just done the same thing again. Like the finale of this is absolutely woeful and right. I've heard it's like a wet noodle way it's absolutely it. terrible and it's being absolutely panned again in reviews and ratings for that episode I think throughout all the episodes have been rated quite well like on IMDb and stuff like that and then the last episode again just bombed, bombed. Like, right you know, it's just maybe worth watching if you can just binge through it um, I'm sure it was supposed to be 12 episodes and it was only 10 as well like the, all, all the other seasons, 12 episodes, and this is 10. Can I just throw a couple of things at you? You mentioned the cast. I think they looked out with the, the original Dexter. The cast they ended up getting was like, ended up being really good. Yeah. And they all went off to do their own individual things. Not obviously like, you know, like peak Hollywood kind of thing, but they were yeah. good for what they were trying to do. Definitely. The guy playing Dopes was great. Uh, hmm. LaGuerta, Le- was it? The chief. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. was good. She went to a few things. Yeah. Uh, Bati- Angel Batista, the, uh, the, the, yeah. the other guy. Went on to wrestling. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean? so like Deb. they're all talented. Deb, Deb something Jennifer Carpenter was it? Yeah. All went on to other stuff. So they really looked out with that cast. Even like the dad was a I can't think of his name now, but he was in the Warriors and stuff yeah. like that. A great actor. So I imagine, but I guess with this one, it's not that level of casting. <laughs> There's a few returning characters, isn't there? Though? Um, Dexter and Deb are both well, in. Deb's in it, uh, which. Uh, she really gets on my nerves. It feels like she just didn't have to be in it whatsoever. Um, I never wanted to her in the original series, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, I quite like the original yeah. stuff. It does... I've not watched any of the new blood, but it does seem weird that she's in it. Because, like... Spoilers. Well, uh, he said it. I'm, I'm, just putting, it yeah. I'm putting the warning out there. <laughs> I don't... I don't really want to talk about it that much because I'm not interested. Okay. Like, <laughs> not, not, not ruining it, but I'm just not interested. Like, But... Without trying to ruin it, I think like Deb is terrible and she just didn't have to be in it, and she's in it so infrequently that it is kind of like, why are you there? Like you're not adding anything to this, like yeah. Or if she was, I missed it. Like 
I think you've made me just re- want to rewatch the first four seasons and then just stop after that. That's probably what I'll do. I've genuinely been thinking about doing that with Dexter. Yeah. yeah. One other thing I want to chuck out that you mentioned the opening credits. Dexter was well known for its genius opening credits. Like it, uh, it transitioned from what you thought was like uh, someone being murdered or something to be like a, a mundane daily thing. Well, it's like cutting an egg and you think yeah. first it's blood or something. And you think it's like time rope and it's just a shoelace, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, What's the new ones like? Can you put into words what the new credits are like? Why the social? There, aren't, there, aren't new, there aren't credits. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, no. They have end credits and they, they go a bit more into that of like whatever, not like theme of that episode, but they revolve around that episode for the, those end credits. Right, yeah. They don't happen at the beginning. <clears throat> at the beginning, there's sort of like a, a flash forward of clips from the episode you're about to watch. In like a one second montage of yeah, just the, glimpses. Kind yeah, of and a bit like I don't want to see any of that until I'm watching it in the episode. It seems like we've got to try and bring Dexter back, bring it back with the stuff that was good about the about the first time. Like you know, don't cut out stuff like that. There's just there's <clears throat> in the first episode especially. I thought there's lots of forced uh, callbacks to like the old series, which I felt like were really bad, and some of those were like to do with the intro sequence of like oh, really? cutting an egg and stuff like that and, and, stuff. and like so there were those bits but there were other, other callbacks which I thought was so forced and terrible and parody like I was just like oh, I'm imagining is... Deb walked into a room and went surprise motherfucker <laughs> and then the soundtrack throughout what made the original series so good is like the soundtrack's incredible like I yeah. often go back to that on Spotify and just listen to that on its own but in this new series, you kind of I don't I don't know if like they didn't have the rights or something because it does feel like it's a new series. And they just didn't have the rights to the old soundtrack. There's sort of like little hints of it embedded in the soundtrack, but oh, I give up. It's <laughs> a good wow. way to end that one. <laughs> Not good. No. Uh, the other the other one on the complete flip side, I think you all have to watch this is Dope Sick um, on Disney. Uh, oh, oh, it was a documentary series, isn't it? About medication or something? Not documentary. Oh, it but it's oh, it just based on the, on the real events right, right. Um, of Painkillers of America. Um, it's on John's favourite streaming service as well, though. Yeah, Disney Plus. Um, Opioids, I believe they prefer this. Yeah. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, is it part of, like, Stars? I think stars are the creator of. Yeah. So, because like, don't forget, it's weird in the UK. We get stars as part of Disney Plus, yeah. but only the UK get that. And I think US get it as well. Star is the is this this umbrella that they can use when they can, they want to show something that they're scared of showing. So anything that like <laughs> they might be un- ethically unhappy with, they can put it under, under the star banner. <laughs> oh, is that why Star Wars is going to it? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> no, do you know what I mean? Like anything like uh, Die Hard. Well, that's fair. That is on Disney Plus, I think, actually. Or is that on the Star? I don't know. Anything 15 rated would go on the Star. All the kids' stuff. Disney Plus. I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's a great TV show. I think it's really well done. The cast is brilliant. Uh, um, it's eight episodes or seven episodes. So it's, it's really short. I think they're about an hour each. But just it's a must watch I thought it was great really well told uh, really really well acted anyone we know in this uh, Michael Keaton uh, Will Poulter Poutier, Poulter yeah. oh yeah um, 
Peter, is it Skarsgård? Skarsgård. Yeah, one of the Skarsgårds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a, right. um, plenty of others that you'd recognise. Looks good. Very good. Very good. Uh, any more television from around the room? Uh, I've been, well, I'm saying I've been watching, I've finished a series on Netflix called Archive 81. Uh, I don't know if anyone's heard of it. Um, it's a weird one. It's based on a podcast, which I've... Don't spoil the end. <laughs> no, no, it's based... I was going to say it's based on a good podcast. This is, <laughs> this is the best podcast there is. So, uh, no, it's based on a fiction podcast that's had a couple of series now, and I've loved since the start. Um, and, and when I, I did see a couple of years ago that Netflix had quite right to it, and I was a little concerned as to how that would go, because... Not only is it difficult sometimes uh, sort of moving a podcast to a TV show because obviously a lot of time podcasts are specifically designed for the, for the medium. You know, you just give them, Yeah, so like a big part of Archive 81 is the sound design. It's like a, a huge component of it. Obviously, because it's an audio format originally, that needed to be a big hook for the, for the show. Um, but they've done it quite well. The, the sound design in this is terrific. Um I said before we uh, started recording, really, I don't really want to go too far into it because um, there's like a, a mystery running through the whole show and I don't really want to delve into it. But the idea of it is the main character is an expert at rescuing damaged um, sort of tapes. So he, he takes like VHSs and cassettes and basically just repairs them and uh, renews them, puts them in new housing and then... Uh, uploads them digitally so people can look at them and he gets contracted by a mysterious company called LMG to look into a box of broken VHS well not VHS what's the little tapes that go inside a video recorder oh are we talking the ones before VHS no no not Betamax we're talking about the tiny little tapes that go into a, a video recorder. recorder a cassette tape yeah like an audio but there's no no it's the very small yeah. video cassettes that go into like the early um, video cameras I can't I remember what they're called like the tiny, and you used to get the old VHSs that had the little flap that opened. And you put yeah. See, I had media studies before you boys. I'm all the music. So, so when I was doing my media studies degree, <laughs> and when I did my journalism degree, we used these because it was what we had. I know this mini disc. I think we still had them at our school. So, <laughs> but like, he's repairing them, and it's a it's sort of a, a young uh, lady who was doing a sort of a documentary almost on a, a building called the Vista Building in New York. And it's just her interviewing the inhabitants. And there was a fire and the building burnt down. And um, the company wants him to repair the tapes because they want to find out what happens to the building. So that's the gist of it. And I won't really go into what happens in the series, but it is just really, really wonderfully shot. The sound design is incredible. Um, it's one of those where there's like an underlying, almost constant theme going throughout the entire thing. Um, it can be a little slow um, and it does drip you through you the information a little bit um, and I think that's a bit of a hangover from the original format it differs a little bit from the podcast there seems to be almost more I guess months of the week sort of is the best phrase to use but there seems to be a lot more standalone episodes where it'll be just a random video that doesn't really matter to the general storyline that's what you'll be doing this week in the in the TV show, they sort of cut all that, and it's just all like story-based videos, constantly, constantly. Yeah. Um, but it's terrific. It's one of the. It's just really wonderfully shot. The sound design is incredible. I was absolutely hooked on it. I even got my partner into watching it, and she bounced off the podcast. 
Um, but I just think it's absolutely worth a watch, and that's Archive 81. Just mentioned, I've not heard of that one, but have you heard of Law? Yes. <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. That's that as a podcast. It became like a spooky TV show. I've not watched it, but I'm just I'm interested in like, how can a podcast transition from so, the, an audio format to like a TV show? Law is an interesting case. The TV show that's on Amazon Prime is literally just the first couple of episodes, like almost verbatim, um, and they just shot footage to go in the background of the stories they're talking about. So they're just literally putting pictures to words, basically. Yes, it's, it's, it's basically... I don't think it's the... F- it's either the very first like couple of episodes or they cherry-picked the first couple of episodes. I can't remember which way around it is. I've not really watched the show that much because I bounced off it, but I do listen to Law bi-weekly, which is when I think it comes out. Right, right. Because I like spooky shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, all, uh, we're all fans of spooky stuff. Yeah. There's another yeah. one called uh, Song Explorer on Netflix, <clears throat> which is uh, derived from a podcast, and that's like breaking down songs into its very fundamental basics like literally picking out the drums and how they were written like and the bass lines the, the, the lyrics and stuff like that. I think that lends itself more to being shot as like <clears throat> the talking heads basically talking through how they did it so that, I think that's it works quite well as a TV show well yeah with, with Archive H1 it was like the, the odd, it goes into it more in the later series so be interested to see how well this does and whether or not it gets like they uh, get commissioned for follow-up seasons because there are three seasons of a podcast. It does the whole thing where it's more of it's not really an anthology, but it's like a separate story every season, and there's recurring characters. But it goes into it a little better. Um, they rewrite it a little bit. It does differ, but it's just interesting because obviously, like I mentioned, it, it's mainly like the sound is such an important theme in the show. Um, they really needed to hit, like, properly nail the sound design on the head to, like, transition it. And I think they did that. And it's one of the best. Um, I would hesitate even really to call it a soundtrack, but it's, like, one of the best sound designs in the show that I've saw for a very long time. Very good. I think that, yeah. <clears throat> sorry, I, was, I know we're about to move on. I think that is important, though, for the TV show to get across because it is originally an audio format. You're listening yeah, to exactly. On its own, you were concentrating on the audio, like, and that's definitely one for the songs more of the way. You are listening to, it's a track can sound completely different if you're only listening to the lyrics, like the, the singing. And it's like, if that's important for the podcast, it needs to be brought through on TV shows. Of good that they've done that. What was interesting while I was watching it, and it happens a lot, like, um, for example, if you read a book or something like that, and then you watch an ad- adaptation. Um, it's really interesting that, obviously, I listened to this, what, I think it was 2017 when it came out, maybe a little bit earlier. So I listened to it then, and it's really interesting because I obviously have a preconceived notion of what every character looks like because I've already listened to it. And then just watching somebody else's vision is always bizarre because like, you'll see a character and then you realise who that character's meant to be. It's like, no, no, that's <laughs> yeah. not quite what I wanted, really. Yeah. Very good. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I'll, I'll go next then. Um, the It's rare that I recommend the TV show. That I'm, it's rare that I get absorbed so far into one, but uh, I've been watching For All Mankind. Uh, has anybody yeah, heard yeah. of that? It's Apple TV show. It's an Apple TV show. Yeah. Um, I feel like it got lost in the shuffle with Apple TV when it launched. Um, it, it was, from what I can tell from critic reviews, the first season was like well-received, but... It was more that 
people just weren't finding it. I, I'm, I'm assuming that must be why it's not more talked yeah, about. I think that's an Apple TV uh, supplement. Yeah. 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 A bit like Ted Lasso as well. That, that should be bigger than it is. Yeah, definitely, um, yeah. But yeah, with uh, For All Mankind, just a bit of brief on that. Um, it's about... It's basically about the adventures of NASA through the sixties, um, or through yeah later on later on from that as well. Um, the show starts with the moon landing happening, and so you're seeing you know an astronaut walk out onto the moon. It, it's like late sixties, but when they speak to the camera that's being broadcast, it's in Russian, and it's because the story of for all mankind, the Russians got to the moon first. And it's a different, it's an alternate history, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's as if the space race never ended. Um, so you're basically, you're following <clears throat> these characters in NASA, uh, basically getting to the moon, do, doing everything on the moon, like, you know, base building on the moon, all this. But the the character development on there is just, it's just amazing. Like, going from season one to season two, there's, there's an astronaut called Gordo who starts off a bit of a moron. You think, oh, who's this guy? By the time you get to the end of season two, you're like this. This is an incredible character. Um, yeah, it's 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 an amazing show. To be honest, I, I I fully recommend it. I'd probably give it four and a half stars. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of like stuff that's on there, um, I think I first heard about it through a Guardian article where they were talking about sci-fi and like special effects, and they mentioned Foundation. Has anybody heard of that? That's Apple TV. Isn't it? That's Apple TV as well. Yeah. <laughs> So they mentioned found Foundation for All Mankind, and that's how I got onto it. And I looked at the reviews for Foundation because it looked like Game of Thrones in space. And the reviews were like, you know, it's, it's a good looking show. But yeah. For All Mankind was the one that people were saying is the best story and, and stuff like that. So I watched that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just the drama that unfolds through those two seasons is incredible. Um, without going, I, c- I can't really talk much about the plot because I wouldn't want to ruin anything. But it's. Um, the first season set in the late 60s and then there's, there's little time jumps through the season and then season two, it jumps straight to the 80s. So everyone's aged like, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, there's a season three coming as well and there's another time skip as well. Um, but yeah, it, it was just, it's honestly, I couldn't stop watching it as soon as I started watching it. It's, it's the stuff that happens. It's not like, sometimes you'll feel like a big event is going to happen like in a TV show but there's a couple of occasions on that where you'll be like 10 minutes into an episode and something catastrophic will happen out of nowhere and just the idea that you're always on edge that something could go wrong here or there it, oh yeah definitely any like space stuff like that like just one one little thing like yeah wrong with the mission kind of thing will just cause like instant death kind yeah, of yeah. <laughs> but, but adds to the drama you, you both mentioned sound design on the last uh, on, on the last um, television show with this one obviously because space is a vacuum <laughs> there's a lot of scenes in this that are completely silent well, not silent in terms of the, it's got music over it but stuff will happen in space that you can't hear <laughs> so like you see this stuff happening and you're like oh my god but there's no actual sound to it and it almost adds to the drama of it that yeah. you're, you're seeing something happen and you can't hear it um, alien tagline in space no one hears scream oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's got Joel Kinnaman in it. He's he was in Suicide Squad. Yeah, he uh, started off in uh, the Killing. The, uh, yeah, the American adaptation for the Killing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which we've got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's he's really good in it. I think the the acting in it is just amazing. Um, it's it's a huge recommend. I, I recommend getting on that. I definitely fancy it. Like uh, I'm sure there's a national documentary called For All Mankind. It's one mm-hmm. from years ago. Yeah, it was like really good as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, for, uh, 
Yeah, just to, just to give you an idea of a couple of the scenes on there. Like, there's there's one scene where a solar storm hits the moon, and you're not allowed out in that, obviously, because you the radiation will go straight through your suit. So someone's lying in on the moon because they've crashed the vehicle, and uh, someone's sat there in a cave, safe, and they think, "Well, should I go out and save them?" And they end up going out and save them and bring them back, not tell anyone, but they've had radiation poisoning there. So as you go into the next few seasons, you're wondering, "Well, how long are they? How long are they going to last now?" Like it's it's different things like that. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. I don't want to give too much away, but highly recommend that. Highly recommend that. Definitely, definitely give that a go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, films then uh, so we've obviously got the main film which we've not even mentioned yet uh, which is Lost in Translation point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how far are we um, but yeah any, does anyone see any other films you want to talk about before we move on to Lost in Translation yeah I did quick mention watched uh, Halloween Kills again on Blu-ray uh, I first watched it with a podcast legend Jono back in back Halloween yeah. in the cinema yep yeah. uh, but we both came out with thinking like this is just a weird film has anybody watched it at all Halloween Kill no, no. we were both like that's the weirdest slasher film we've ever, ever seen and I, I got it on Blu-ray last week and gave it another watch and I think I put my finger on why it is so weird normally with a slasher film we have expectations of like it's going to be a young cast of teenagers getting bumped off by Michael Myers and in this one it's all like old people and like firefighters it's really weird like you know what I mean? It's killing off like or a couple, a gay couple get murdered halfway through, and it's like it's not killing the people you would expect to in a in a, in a Halloween slasher film kind of thing. Uh, but it's directed by David Gordon Green, who did the last Halloween, which is like a, a requel to the first Halloween. Uh, but David Gordon Green was the director of Pineapple Express, which I'm sure you've all seen it, and it's like yep. a bit of a goofy kind of uh, stolen comedy. And you think David Gordon Green directed Halloween in 2018. That's amazing. Like, you wouldn't think that. But then you'd watch this one. You'd be like, yeah, that's definitely David Gordon Green who directed that. Because <laughs> it's like a weird, almost like half slasher, half stoner comedy kind of thing. But yeah, it's just a bit weird. But uh, the one thing you'd like in them, uh, there's an older older couple in it who've got a drone. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just a random scene of an older couple in the house flying a drone around the house. And she's doing flips and stuff and doing spinners with it. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Old old drone drone the sides, yeah. Yeah. But then, like, it flies out of the, the room and you hear it get squashed by Michael Myers. And it's like, <laughs> oh, God, it, here it comes Michael <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's quite a nice drone, though. But, yeah, it got, got demolished. Uh, but, yeah, it, like, there's just some really weird stuff with it. I can't decide whether it's, like, really good or, like, really bad. <laughs> It could yeah, be the best types of films. Though, yeah, honest. like it could be genius. Like there's an extended scene when he, he first escapes the fire from the last film, Halloween, and uh, like the fireman who turns up to the house to put the fire out, and he just goes out and just murders them all with a pickaxe. It's like that was a classic. <laughs> it's really good, but you just wouldn't normally see a slasher killer killing firemen. You know what I mean? It just feels really weird. But I'm, I'm coming around to it more that it's actually genius as opposed to being bad. Yeah, it's not the cliche, is it? Yeah, not a cliche, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's like something you wouldn't normally see. So uh, I'll give it a three. It's not, not that enthusiastic, but I think every time I watch it, I might bump this up kind of thing. So it's not like a normal slasher film. It, they're they're going to end it this Halloween as well, called Halloween Ends. So depending on how that goes, it could be a, you know, that could determine how this one's looked at in future kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, three stars. I thought it was, uh, thought it was decent. Yeah, yeah, enjoyed it. Okay. Do you? Uh, no films for me. No films? No, we've done with films? <coughs> no, 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 no
Okay, then. Well, should we move on to the main event? Oh, a couple of quick observations to mention. Oh, yeah. Dead quick. I, uh, JT's observations. JT's observations. Yeah. Get a stink. Someone oh, do a stink. Yeah, <laughs> that in, still I watched a Jackass the movie. Oh, Can we talk about Johnny Knoxville for a minute as well, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you remember the first one at all? Jackass <clears throat> the movie. I actually watched yeah. it not that long ago. All three? He fights Butterbean. Yes. In the in the in the store. Well, no, I, I feel yeah, like yeah. fight is generous. Well, <laughs> I think I could take Butterbean. <laughs> well, <laughs> Butterbean's, doesn't Butterbean still hold the record for the quickest knockout in professional boxing? Yeah, eighteen seconds. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned it in the film. <laughs> and Johnny Knox was just happy that it wasn't eighteen seconds. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, he's, he's, right. No, sorry. He's only not eighteen seconds because Butterbean literally says. You hit me first. Go on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, there's one bit after that, like just a little observ- observation. I watched uh, Johnny Knoxville talk to Variety on YouTube, and he mentions that after that knockout, he swallowed his tongue. And when you watch the film, you can see him like literally like <laughs> he's lying on the floor, and it's like, yeah, that's why he swallowed his tongue. Like, yeah. So it's just one little thing I put together after watching that and then watching the film again. It's like, yeah, it lines up. He did swallow his tongue after that. <laughs> Bean knocks him out. Yeah, but I think I could take Paul Bean off. Like, I thought you were going to say, I think you could take Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. <laughs> you could now, mate. He's old now, mate. One of the quick ones. Watched loads of David Fincher stuff recently. Pretty much all of his films. He might be the best filmmaker working today. Genuinely. Like, some of the stuff he, you know, he directed... Social Network, I think, might be the best film in the 2000s. I've still not seen it. I've not seen Social Network. I've not saw it either. Listen, I know you're going to tell me it's not about Facebook, but I despise Facebook, so I don't want to watch it. But it's a film that despises Facebook. I know, I know. And and, and I like his other films, so... It it makes Zuckerberg look like a knob. Yeah. Which is. So, yeah. Uh, exactly. Like I know I'm, listen, I'm my own worst enemy with this one. I've just not watched it yet. I need to get it. It's just the reason you, you hate Facebook is the reason you'll like this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like genius. Like, I think it might be the best film in the 2000s. Right, okay. But like, I've been watching loads of YouTube breakdowns of like how Finch and I and stuff. And like, I've never put it together in my head as to why one film might work in a certain scene and another one doesn't. But like, this thing pointed out how like it doesn't use handheld photography. And he barely uses close-ups. There'll be like one handheld shot in the film that he does. It'll point out the ones that he uses in this YouTube video. And like whichever close-up he uses, he uses it for dramatic effects, like once in the film, and it works. And it's just like, yeah, Finch is the best. Like, we did a planet room, didn't we, years ago? Yeah. <clears throat> like, yeah, he's the best one they could work in today. A little observation there that uh, I noted, but check out Social Network, you'll, uh, you'll love it. Yeah, will do. Yeah, yeah. Um, can I dive back to Johnny Knoxville just for a second? Oh, yeah, so yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Johnny Knoxville uh, was in the Royal Rumble recently. So, uh, yeah. um, I might sidetrack into wrestling for once. <laughs> um, yeah, the, Johnny Knoxville was in, in the Rumble, didn't embarrass himself. Uh, came in, gave AJ Styles a legitimate forearm, like proper <laughs> smacked him, which you'd expect. And then he got slammed around and chucked out of the ring. It was great, to be honest. Uh, his bit, well, I would say great. He did, he did his bit well. Um, on that rumble, uh, a lot of fallout coming out of the, the back of that. Uh, the men's rumble was panned for being pretty piss poor, uh, but 
there's a lot of stuff going on about Shane McMahon. So Shane McMahon was one of the main people who booked the Rumble. Yeah, guys, mentioned it on Tuesday. Said yeah, that yeah. Like the big comeback guy, like or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last all the twenty four hours or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Shane McMahon came back to the Rumble after a significant amount of time away. I don't know how long it was. I'm, I'm not up that up to date with it, but he came back, booked. He more or less booked the Rumble, made himself look amazing. Like he was like hitting legitimate wrestlers who've been there, you know, week in week out. Um, booked himself to be in like the final four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he, uh, he was getting suplexed around by Brock Lesnar, and then just almost just getting up as if like he was just no selling it. And it's like this is a bit strange. Uh, he was he was due to carry on with WWE for a little while, and then yeah, less than twenty four hours later, he'd been the words being used that he's been let go. Because uh, they're not going to future endeavour him like they would do everyone else, just simply because of who it is. But the idea that the company's the company like owner's son comes back, books himself to look really good, gets fired straight away. It it, it it's just a, it's a it's a strange one. The yeah, aftermath. I thought you were going to say that he came after all that, and twenty four hours later, it's Sam for AEW. <laughs> so I've certainly heard rumours that that might be happening. There's, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, if I was if I was Tony Khan, who, who's in charge of AEW, you'd you'd book him for one show just because. Can you yeah. imagine? Can you imagine the 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 buzz the, it would create. Yeah, the buzz and publicity of just having him at one of your events. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like in Game of Thrones when you know if God somebody help me, but it's it's like when. No, no. <laughs> you go. I've I've paddled myself down a river. Here and I, can't, I can't think of an example. True. But it's it's like, you know, it's like it's like the prince in waiting has, has gone and defected to the other company. Yeah. Oh, the Red Wedding. The Red yeah, Wedding. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Thanks, John. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of all the fray from his Lannisters and turning his back on the North. <laughs> yeah. And, yes. Yeah. And yes. the Starks. Yes. 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 Um, but yeah, no, uh, it was mad though because like the women's rumble was full of botches and if that was more entertaining than the men's rumble because it was just this you could tell it all came out recently that it was being changed right up until the last minute like they had a different winner a week earlier oh really it's like, show, <laughs> yeah like I think uh, Riddle was supposed to win it Matt Riddle uh, he's like a I'd say newer fella but he's like 36 is he Voldemort Voldemort. No, that's top. Oh, top <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. um, But then it just turned into Brock Lesnar, and it's like Brock oh, Lesnar won right. one, Ronda Rousey won the other one, and she was shocking in that rumble. Ronda Rousey's the worst woman wrestler, but she just gets pushed constantly. Yeah, because she's a name, and it's like I get that, I get that, but it's it's uh, it was one of them where you know you. You you'd look at all the fallout afterwards, and yeah, it's a mess that company. Yeah, that's like, why I'm an AEW fan. I'm a huge AEW. The WWE, like the women's division in general, is really weird at the minute because it's got a good, strong women's division. But the the women's rumbles have always been rubbish. Like I, the Raw Rumble was the only pay per view I didn't watch this one, but I usually try and watch it because I love the Raw Rumble match. Yeah, and when they sat in a, a, a female uh, Raw Rumble match, I was like, oh, not cool. Double the Rumble. I'm, I'm absolutely about that. Um, but like both times like you said it's been just full of botches and it's I don't know if it's because they're not used to having that type of match whereas like it, you know not even just the rumble like the sort of over the top rope big mass brawls that's yes. been a thing in men's wrestling for a very long time so I don't know if it's just because they're not used to it and they're more used to just a one on one or like maybe a two on two at, you know on the outset but I like, you watch some of them especially when you look back to sort of um, oh gosh, watch the 
NXT. We look at some of the women's matches that come out of NXT when it was Sasha Banks and Bailey. Like some of those really matches good. were insane. They were so so good. Like they were genuinely some of the best wrestling matches. Period. Well, that NXT got canned. Like oh, Triple yeah. H was in charge of that, and uh, he got he more or less got set back as well. Mm. Uh, you know, the problem with NXT is he called everyone straight up onto the WWE roster, and then suddenly had no talent in NXT. Yeah, yeah. One last thing I want to say about the Rumble. Uh, shout out to uh, Dewdrop. That's uh, so that's a female wrestler who was in the title match of the Royal Rumble. We we saw her at Mr. Cat's Wrestling uh, not long Dewdrop. ago. Dewdrop. Her name's Dewdrop now, but when we saw her, she was Piper Nevin, where she was the. Uh, I'll get you a picture. She, it's just that Dewdrop is the nickname for uh, Dewey from Scream. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I wouldn't say it's the it's the best uh, the best name that anyone's ever came up with, but um, yeah. Uh, on a podcast, I'll get you a picture. <laughs> right, do you remember this woman when we saw her, uh, Mr. Cat's wrestling? Nope, vaguely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, where go from Mr. Cat's wrestling to women's title match in the Royal Rumble in about four years? Yeah, it's not bad. Not very good. Yeah, no, three years. Twenty eighteen, we were watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's yeah. been four years, John. Twenty eighteen to twenty twenty two. World Cup 20, 2018. Three and a half years, I'll give oh, you that. Okay. <laughs> Let's not get into the maths today. Um, but the, uh, that match was overshadowed by the WrestleMania sign catching fire. Um, oh, they had to move a section of the crowd because the the sign started melting uh, above people's heads. <laughs> what were they doing? Well, like obviously, you know, the big the big thing of the rumble is at the end of it, you point to the sign and then all the fireworks shoot off and it's like, I'm going to WrestleMania. The the sign caught fire. Wow. Um, <laughs> but this video at the back of the sign where you can just see metal and like plastic and stuff just burning and falling down. And they had to they had to evacuate the full section while the match was on. <laughs> yeah, and um, they had to pull the sign right back down, like fix it and stick it back up, and then it caught fire again later in the night when Brock Lesnar won the Rumble because they set the fireworks off again. <laughs> is, is that just like a metaphor for WWE? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Just going to burn now. What's the other thing on here? Fiddling while we're on burn. Or yeah, so like pointing my like sign burns. Finish my man fiddling while we're somebody a burn. <laughs> um, if you're still listening, uh, that's the end of the wrestle wrestling session. Um, <laughs> Joe's wrestling section. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll do a full pod on this one then. Um, okay then, should we move on to the main event this year, week, episode? Nearly said year. <laughs> uh, Lost in Translation. That's, that's the film, this this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, we buried the lead a bit in that one, didn't we? <laughs> we did, we're back though. It's, it's the main event. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, where, where should we start on uh, Lost in Translation then? Uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to mention first. Or... I'll, I'll jump in first and say that I actually watched this twice. Um, you know, uh, I think it's it's a film that you can... It's a very easy film to watch, actually. Yeah, definitely, uh, yeah. There's not a lot of dialogue. It's almost like a background watching it kind of thing. Kind of like, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not much dialogue. The, the story and the sort of the emotions of the film are told in the music and the, what you're seeing, basically. Like, yeah. the dialogue, there's a point to it. The, the reason is, you know... You don't need you don't need too much dialogue to get the points across. Uh, well, I think I'm, I'm jumping to my final point here. But, <laughs> like, it's a good start. Yeah, start yeah. <laughs> in those terms, it feels like you're on vacation when you're watching the film. It feels like you're on a holiday. That there, well, it's not a holiday. It's like a working thing kind of thing. But you, you feel like you're just in a foreign city kind of thing, just watching things happen. Basically. You're in you're in the bubble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. As isolated as those who feel, you feel it watching the film kind of thing, and you. 
you get more into it that way, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I actually watched it for the first time today. Oh, really? Never saw it before. I've only watched it twice. Um, for the second time. And I'm glad I watched it like now and rather than when it first came out. Because I feel like my opinion of it would have been coloured if I would have watched it when I, when it first came out compared to what if I would have watched it now. In a good or bad way, though. Well, without giving away what I'm going to sort of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I thought it was... Yeah, it was... I like No, I liked it. I, I really liked it. I think I'm sure I've said in the podcast before, I really enjoy films where nothing really happens in the film. Yeah. And I, I, this is a good example of just... Like, you're being a pure voyeur in this film. Like, there's not, like, an overarching big event. There's not sort of... Um, it's it's kind of like a sequence of events, isn't it? It's just that's that's all you're yeah. watching. Like, Can I go off from that point where not being a voyeur? What do you think of the opening shot of uh, Scarlet's <laughs> uh, on the bed? That was a... Can I talk on the film? Not her ass. Oh, you're joking. It's not going to Is that stunt ass? It's the director's ass, apparently. That's I'm not in that. All <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I never knew that. You, you've read facts about the seventy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Only today, I'm not there. <laughs> yeah. A good way to open up. Whoever's asked is, is well, a good way to open the film. I, I, I was going to say, like the, the whole film. Sorry, Steve. We'll go back. We'll go back to you in a second. But like the whole the, when we mentioned that scene, that that's probably the one scene in the film that is kind of a bit gratuitous. If I can. Go as far as saying that. Yeah, like, I mean, there's there's a lot of her in just that. Yeah, underwear. I think her underwear. Like the that, reason yeah. why the reason why she felt uncomfortable being in her underwear, and uh, Sophia Coppola said, "Okay, I'll do that shot then to sort of like get out of the way and sort of like she was okay after that." Well, yeah. my point was going to be that it's like after that scene. You know, you, you don't look at her as like a sex object. Do you know what I mean? Like that when you see that first scene, you're thinking, "Hang on a minute." What am I watching? Yeah, yeah. But it's like the whole point of the film is like it's a, plat- a platonic sort of love relationship between Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray. Like that's kind of the point. It doesn't get doesn't get that far. Can I mention you know what like, I mean? Though? I've got a point. I don't know where I'm going to go with this, but what you've hit on there, like there's a thing with with that that the gratuitous bit gratuitous. We are looking at it from a 2022 point of view. It might be a bit different from the 2004, but also a lot of the lost in translation stuff when like the Japanese people are talking to them like what what are you saying lip lip my stockings you know and it's like it plays different nowadays oh, yeah. as it might have done there's a couple of impressions which I thought were interesting yeah like in the sushi troublesome yeah like he does a couple like it's fine and then there's like just one line where he's doing an impression it's like that's when it's that borderline. I can't yeah. decide whether which side it falls on. Mm-hmm. With the gratuitous stuff, I'm not sure where it falls, kind of thing. I feel like it's a good time. I'd, the first maybe couple of times it happened, I thought like, oh, playing on the stereotype, stereotypical joke, kind of like it was uh, a little bit funny. But then once it carried on, sort of past like the full fifth time, you kind of like. It's getting a bit tight. It's a lot of it's like, yeah. But then, like you say, that could be a t- change of the time. So, like, For me, it was that sushi restaurant scene where he's obviously playing on the fact that the guy doesn't understand English. And when he does the accent, it really feels like he's intentionally taking the piss. Yeah, he, and that was a bit uncomfortable, I thought. I'm just to add to that, Steve, like, I almost feel like Bill Murray's character comes off a bit of a dickhead, like, halfway, like half the film. 
Like when he's doing, like when he's putting the order in, you know, when they have that really bad lunch later on in the yeah, film, yeah. they put the order in and it's, it's like his character and Scarlett Johansson's character at that point, they, I know they're in a bad shape, like they're, they're in a bad way, but there's, there's no pleases or thank yous. Do you know what I mean? Like, I had a similar thing with that to me. Watching it now, it's like, he's just cheating on his wife with this singer the night before. And it's like, he's not a good guy. Yeah, that's, probably, that's the point though, isn't it? Like, and I never noticed this before. When I was younger, it's like, it, it never bothered me. But like, now it's like, I was really bad. Only like, the singer scene was like, that's an interesting one. Because it did, see, it did come out of nowhere. And I feel like it does reinforce the platonic nature of him and Scarlett Johansson. Do you know what I mean? Like it does no, it, show. It does. Like they're not. not like it's more level. of a friendship thing. It's not just yeah. like a physical thing. They won't get to that level, kind of thing. But it's a, it's a different thing, isn't it? That whatever they've got going on is different to what you got with that singer the night before, kind of thing. I, I think it's it's just it's a complex relationship between two complex people. He's yeah. probably he's probably more complex than she is. She is. But I don't know. I think the idea that he's a bit of a dickhead, you know, in certain circumstances. It's probably just part. It's part of the character, isn't it? It's just part of you know the whole complexity of the situation. Well, you you almost I don't know if it's just the reunite up of it, but you almost get the idea that like he's the end of the path that she might be on. If you know what I mean, like he's already the disillusioned, dissatisfied with his marriage, and then but she's at the start of hers, and she's already feeling that. It's almost like he's. Yeah, it's almost like he's a warning. Like, what might happen? Yeah, well, she asks him the questions and she does it get better. And, yeah. And he says no. And then he says, yeah, yeah, it gets better. Like, but you don't know at that point whether he's actually, like, just trying. But he's almost going back, like, 25 years of his marriage because he said the start of his marriage is really good. Like, she went away with him on shoots and stuff like that. They were having fun and then she started to stay home. It's just like, he's just. I was like trading in his wife to, for the younger option to have that fun again because they are having fun in Tokyo. Yeah, it, it's all—it's almost like he's took a ho- not holiday to Japan because it was a work holiday, a work thing. But it's almost like he's took a break from his real life and he's living this fantasy hotel yeah, Tokyo yeah, life. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's an argument that like he's very in a real way emotionally cheating on his wife with her. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Emotionally with her and physically with the singer. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. you've got the the. It feels like they're both going through like an existential crisis at the same time. Like, yeah, could yeah. Say. But when yeah, I just really like it where it's they're going through that in their own little bubble in Tokyo where nothing's familiar. You see all these, you know, the Japanese customs and stuff like happening around them and they react to those customs as if, you know, it's alien to them and obviously it is. Yeah. Um, But they're almost like not there for that anyway. It's almost like they're both there and when they found each other, they're like, right, well, let's just concentrate on each other while we're in. Yeah, definitely. I'll just go off on that. Like you both mentioned the... uh the bit where she's talking to Bill Murray about, like, I think the word, I don't know what I'm supposed to be, is what she says. Like, they're having that deep conversation. like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be. And I didn't like that bit when she's like, oh, I've tried being a writer and I've tried being this. It just sounds like such a, like, 19-year-old film student or something. Like, normal people don't get to really choose what, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, real people haven't got the luxury of being settled lying around in Japanese hotel rooms being like, <laughs> oh, I don't know what I'm all supposed to be. It's like, yeah. That that's the one bit of the film I was a bit like that just feels like that's Sophia Coppola doing that like 
as a 19-year-old film student. Because you know with Sophie Coppola's, don't you? Like the daughter of Francis Ford Coppola, the Godfather director. Oh, okay, like, right, yeah. So she'd been born into this, and she was in The Godfather 3 and stuff like that. And it just felt a bit like, yeah, we get it. You, you, the, the daughter of this amazing filmmaker, and you don't know what you're meant to be and stuff. Like, you know what I mean? It's, that, that's the one bit that felt a bit precious to me. Like, Yeah. I, I, mean, I almost feel, though, it sounds to me like she's had almost like that experience. But I think that's why I found Scarlett Johansson's character quite authentic. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, but unrelatable though as well. Like authentic, but like you can't relate to it. Yeah, it's a fantasy, isn't it? Like it's 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 the you're living Bill Murray's fantasy. Not Bill Murray, but you're living the fantasy. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're living the fantasy of a middle-aged man who, you know, is more or less gone and he's having an almost like an emotional fling with a young like she would have been what, 18 or 19 filming this? No, she's like mid-20s, wasn't no, she? No, she was born in 84. I'm sure this, she was 17. The character, I the character, I think, is meant to be mid twenties. Yeah. She was born That's in. Wow, she was born in eighty four. The film came out in two thousand three. So by those yeah, you're right, statistics, eighteen yeah. or nineteen. I thought she was seventeen in Eight Legged Freaks, which came out a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I might, be, well, might be wrong on that. I think she is playing up. Right. Yeah. 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 I think she, she's because she's like graduated from yeah. college. You know. Yeah. yeah. Like Twenty one or something. In the film. Yeah. But the, the idea is that it's like. I don't know. I feel, I feel like the film's obviously more focused, I think, on Bill Murray and how he's reacting to the situation. Like, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Or, I mean, you say that, but it concentrates on both of them sort of very like, individually. Like, they're both lead characters in this, but like a lot of the film, they aren't actually together. Yeah, I think I read it as 32 minutes until they actually speak to each other. <laughs> So okay. the start of the film, Charlotte's scenes in the start of the film is one of the one of the bits of the film I really like. I just like the whole and you can imagine it like if you're there in Tokyo, it's such a culture shock, it's so different. That's just wandering around by yourself, not fully understanding everything you see. Like that's the part that I really liked, and I f- thought it was quite easy to sort of put yourself there. Well, yeah, exactly. It feels like your yeah. issues kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah, like you, you sort of really do get an idea of the loneliness that yeah. she's going through. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I've not been to Japan, but obviously, you said like New York or something. Just uh, you go to the shop and you just feels like alien, kind of yeah. thing, you know, that, that alien feeling to it. But going back to like the existential crisis. There we go. Going back to that point, I really like, again, early on, seeing with Charlotte where she goes to the temple and then she calls a monk. I think it's a monk afterwards. Yeah, I don't know who what she was talking. Is it a yeah. monk? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think it um, but she's like obviously she's basically that's a cry for help almost and like mum just completely Did ignores it, it which is a, which is a running theme for everyone who ever speaks on the phone in this film yeah. but like uh, I, I just really like that when she's on the phone she, she mentions that I've been to a temple today and I just didn't feel anything and I thought that's a powerful yeah. sort of thing to drop on you've been to this place in this incredible country you've gone to an ancient temple that's been around for so long and you just feel nothing. It's like she's just drifting through and that's why yeah. that's why her and Bill Murray's character get on so well in it. It's because they are just both drifting through this yeah. this alien land almost. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, I would just want to make a quick point of music and sound and uh, that in the film. Uh, I thought the music and sound were really good. Uh, I actually listened to the soundtrack earlier as well because it, it, it's, it's really well put together. Personal highlight uh, would be there's a Square Pusher song in there. I don't know if anyone here knows Square Pusher, but it's no. it's uh, 
He's in the same realm as Aphex Twin, like more of a, you know, electronic. Like a sort of ambient sort. Yeah, like ambient, complicated electronic music. There's there's a scene where Scully Hansen sat on the ledge uh, in daytime. Yeah, looking young, out one. Looking out, yeah. yeah. And that's where that song plays. And with, with me being a fan of that music from like 15 years ago, that struck a real chord with me. Like, yeah. you know. That was great, the uh, photography, looking out all over the facility yeah. uh, and stuff. Yeah. The, yeah. The photography in this, in general, I thought was really nice. It was just really well shot. There's a particular scene where Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson are on the bed and you're, the, the shot is just the reflection in the window. And I thought that was great. Yeah. It's just a really nice shot. And it's sort of like... It almost follows the road from outside the window and then... Yeah, and you've just got the reflection as well. Like, it's so good. It's almost like... It's almost like it's a double exposure rather than just looking at the uh, reflection. It's really nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just, just talking about the photography and the cinematography in the film. There's two, there's two moments that stuck out for me. There's one where Bill Murray's playing golf. Yeah, I've got an for that. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. just central for frame. You got Mount, I'm assuming Mount Fuji. I don't know. I've got no, Mount, no, Mount Fujiyama is later on when Scarlett Hansen's on the bullet train. That's true. I, I thought it was the same mountain, but. Uh, oh, no, Mount Fuji. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yes, yeah, Mount Fuji. Yeah. It's How many uh, islands are in Japan? Kawaguchi. Kawaguchi Co Country Club. I didn't, didn't know you spoke Japanese. <laughs> Hang on. That's insane. That would have flew in 2003. <laughs> John. Oh, oh, 10 minutes ago. <laughs> no, but like um, the scene though, he's, he's playing golf and it's like, it's it's cloudy and he's playing golf, which he shouldn't be doing anyway. Just, yeah. you know, because um, there's a storm coming in. Uh, but it's the idea that it's like, it's dead serene and it's just yeah. quiet and he's just playing golf and it's like, he he's probably not enjoying that golfing session. Like, oh, Bill Moser loves golf. He, he Bill loves Mo- it personally. <laughs> <laughs> possibly, possibly. But that character drifting through Japan, you saw him do something that was familiar. I still don't think he would have enjoyed that at that moment. In time. I can almost guarantee this wasn't part of the film. They just followed Bill Murray around <laughs> while he was filming. I mean, for a lot of like Harris's scenes by himself, that's sort of a recurring idea where like it's just him just. They've been something to fill time almost. Well, like, yeah, 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 the TV show bit felt like that to me, but it's just like a random Japanese film, TV show. And like, I just forgot all about that when I last watched it. I was like, well, that see, with the TV show though, I think part of that is he wants to stay in Tokyo longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he wasn't meant to go, and they do a whole thing where he wasn't going to do it on the show, and he's like, oh, I've already got prior commitments, and then you get him talking to his agent on the yeah. shoot, and then he does it. And I think the implications that he did it. To stay in Tokyo for a little bit longer. But it is one of them, like, normally it would just be a plot mechanic where, yeah, I'm going to do the show to stay in Tokyo longer. But they actually show you the actual TV show for, like, 10 minutes or whatever. It's like, we didn't need to see this. <laughs> I think uh, Bill Murray's performance in that is great as well, though. Cause, like, yeah, it is good. Cool, he, yeah. he, he does a great, you know, miffed actor. Bemused. Like, kind of yeah, thing, bemused yeah. is the perfect way. Hey, there's one bit like that, a box is open in front of his face. You can see that, he's peeking over the top of the box. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> I think his acting in general is just properly on point in this. And I think they both are. Yeah. Uh, but it's nice. Uh, I always forget that Bill Murray, Bill Murray can be like a really good serious actor. I'm used to him in a more comedic role. And I think in this, he like, proper shows that he's got the chops. I love the scene quite early on where he's at the shoot for the commercial. And oh, you've, got yeah, the, yeah. you've got the director. And like he obviously doesn't understand the director, and the translator is just giving like one more <laughs> answers. And he's like, "Are you sure that's all?" <laughs> that's all he says. <laughs> Again, though, does that play well nowadays? I don't. Oh, I think I think that's still okay. That, yeah. I think that because I think that sort of thing still happens now. That's it's not making fun of anything 
really, other than the fact that translators doing a crap job. Lost in translation. Yes. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd make the argument that this must be a really interesting film to watch if you're bilingual in English and Japanese. Yeah, like, yeah. Because you're getting the full... That just wouldn't play really, would it? That, that it'd be a strange one because <laughs> you're, you're getting the full context of all the scenes. Um, but the idea of the film is lost in translation. So when you're watching it as an English speaker, you're not supposed to understand Yeah, it's not yeah. It's no subtitles. Yeah. There's no subtitles at all for... No, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's not it would just be called translation. If, if if you were bad, lost in reading, you wouldn't be lost. Would you? <laughs> yeah, you'd just be <laughs> just reading just in, in, in Tokyo. Um, just one other thing on, on I want to get your opinion on whether this is okay nowadays or not. You know, I generally don't know. Are they you going to bust out some impression now, John? We're going to have to. No, 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 no. They do a lot of jokes about heights, but they really haven't. Homework is in the elevator and it's like a foot taller yeah. than everybody else. And it's like, yeah, we get it. He's you know, he's taller than Japanese people. Literally from that, gets in the shower, and the shower head's down here. It's like, yeah, I'm going to move the shower head up. It's like, yeah, I've, yeah. I made it over that. <laughs> like, a uh, short and sweet, like, Japanese, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, all right, it's a bit tight. So yeah, like, so just... <laughs> you made the, made the joke once. Is that too much, or is that just me? Like, I mean, I mean uh, it, at the time, it was fine, wasn't it? Like, if you look at it now, if you yeah. did a study on I this did. film now... It would be classed as offensive, I reckon. Not even so much being offensive, like just within the, the film, is it too many references to the fact that Japanese are short? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Probably, Probably like, yeah. yeah. That's more what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. Not really. Did like, he's really driving it home. It's like, oh, did, did you get it when we mentioned it before? We'll yeah. just do it again, just in case. And even when it's sort of scar joke. I was going to say, like, he even makes a short joke about her as well. Also, that and the bit in the elevator when, like, he said when I first met you, it's like I was a foot tall than everybody else. It's like, yeah, we know, we saw, <laughs> we saw the team, we saw you get in the shower, we saw the shower. <laughs> oh, no, but like when she's trying to take the label off his t shirt, she says he's too tall. Oh, so yeah. And then he says, oh, no, there, I tell you, he's too short. He don't worry, hates people. He don't worry, hates people shorter than him. Yeah, maybe personally. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe this wasn't in the film, it's demanded it that it's, it's in the film. <laughs> I, d- I mean, like, on whether it's offensive now or, or then, I, d- I think just the joke itself just goes over too long. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> they can't home, though, they went like, they could... Yeah, I don't know. Again, too many cliches. Like. Yeah. I mean, for when, like, when I was reading up on the film, there are definitely articles written about oh, the, really? the slant of Asian, like, you know... I, I read one on it, and it was saying, like, there's so many, like, just drives over negative stereotypes yeah. um, of Asians... Systematic, systematic racism and also use uh, belittling, degrading, and crude. Yeah. But I, yeah, I would agree with all that. I think that review was written in 2021. So, yeah. it's just a modern review. Like, it's yeah. a modern review of an old film. Whether that review would have been written in 2004, I don't, I don't know. I but, yeah, don't think it would. Yeah, I yeah. think 2003, if you set your minds back then, you could get away with a lot back then. Like, it, 2022 is. Not the year for for any of that. I think. Um, yeah. Well, you know, if you're gonna do if you're gonna do stuff like that, and you, you, I think I do think the film goes a bit far in that. But you have to look at it as a film that was made in 2003. You have to review it in that context as well. Yeah, and I do think it was made in, in good faith. It wasn't made yeah, as if like you know, yeah. rather pop of the this, these people kind yeah. of things. So. Well, that's the other thing. Like whether you are allowed to joke about these things because uh, there are comedians. I know Ricky Gervais and like Jerry Seinfeld say. There isn't anything out of bounds because you're making a joke about it and you're not being derogatory. You're just making a joke about a sensitive nature, but 
it's just funny nonetheless. Like, yeah. regardless of what you're making a joke about. Yeah, yeah. but like I said, I, I thought Bill Murray came off quite mean a lot of the time. Like, almost yeah. like ill-intentioned when he was doing it sometimes. Like, selfish. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the character in it. That's yeah, the, just... I, because, like, the character is a past it actor. Yeah. Yeah. So like themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I. So you know, like obviously, I don't think he's at peace with the idea that he's not because he references he should be in films and stuff all the time. Yeah. And it's like, well, nobody's going to book you for an action film anymore, which is what you used to do. Yeah. Um, because it makes me laugh when he because he watches a dubbed version of one of his old films, doesn't he? Oh yeah. So yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. That, like that made that. I thought that was a good scene. Yeah. Because it had a again going back. Like probably doesn't track now, but because it had a very over the top Japanese dub over the top of the film. Um, but yeah, I thought that was an interesting scene to watch. Like one of his actual films, just being yeah, showing a young Bill Murray kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to divorce actual Bill Murray from the character he's playing because he's a cool guy. Like in real life, you know what I mean? Like Bill Murray's a cool guy, and a lot you take a lot of that into the film. And it's like, is that the character? Is that just Bill Murray? That like, you know what I mean? I can't differentiate. So some of the things he says, or like jokes he makes and little quips he says when they're doing the photo shoot and he's sort of like having to hold the whiskey up in his hand up to his face and stuff like that. I was kind of thinking, you're just watching Bill Murray though. Like, yeah. making up Especially when he starts doing like the Rat Pack impressions and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, there again, like the, the really hammer it home on the whole, oh, he's mispronouncing Rat Pack. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. And yeah. That, Again, it just does come across a bit. But then, but then at other times, he's quite endearing, though. That's that's what it's a complicated character, isn't it? It's, it's a complicated character in a in a simple film, I think. Yeah, yeah. The relationship's complicated, isn't it, between him and Scarjo? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? What what are their names in this film? I don't want you to say. <laughs> Charlotte yeah. and Mister Harris. I'm going to say Bob. Bob, Bob, Bob Harris. Harris. Yeah, Bob. Yeah. I know we've done a lot on like the comedy of it, but I did see someone ask this question on like on a review, and it's saying if if it wasn't set in Tokyo, set in like Manhattan, would there be any humour to the film, or would it be funny? Because mm. there seem like a lot of the film is like because they were making the argument that this could just as easily be set in Manhattan, and it still feel alien to certain people. Oh, with those guys. I, so, I I think this film doesn't exist if it's not in. Tokyo. Yeah, it has to be. Like, yeah. like not necessarily Tokyo, but it, it would have to be somewhere completely different. Like, you know, you'd have to do it in the reverse to make it make sense in Manhattan, I think. The Japanese yeah, couple. Yeah. 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 Or like just uh, someone very ethnically, culturally rather than ethnically different to the usual people. That's hard, actually, because Manhattan has like a massive well, that's, difference I think in culture. That's the it? whole thing with Tokyo, isn't it? That Tokyo and Japan generally... It, you know, the majority of people who live in Japan are Japanese. Like, you'll see the odd few tourists over there, but yeah. it's, a, it's a country with a very low level of immigration. It, it's, it's you know, it's the culture you see over there is generally Japanese culture. Yeah. Um, so when you see someone going over there who's different to the Japanese culture, that's the whole alien aspect of it, isn't it? I feel like it doesn't have a great deal of impact from, like, Western culture as well. Like, if you go to a lot of other countries, like, even, well, if you go to, like, other European countries, you'll still see a lot of English and American media. Like, even if you go to, sort of, like, the Far yeah, Eastern yeah. countries. Like, um, I've in, I was in Budapest, and you could still get, like, 
National Geographic on there with like Agent Aliens and like porn stars <laughs> and um, that's the show about buying and selling in Las Vegas <laughs> yeah, yeah. storage wars and stuff like that <laughs> that stuff was still there and it's like it was it had like subtitles but we're still in English and it's like I'm in like a country that used to be part of the Soviet Union and it's a very long way away from yeah, America yeah. yeah why is it showing just this absolute trash yeah Sorry, I'm just reading it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I've got I've got no no major points. I've got one question though for for the group. Bob's relationship with his kids. Oh yeah. What 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 do you make of that? Because he te- he talks to I'm, I'm using the character names now. He talks to Charlotte about it during the film, and he he calls them delightful. Says they'll grow up to be delightful. Then when he's talking to his wife on the phone, the kids don't want to know him. <laughs> like the yeah. kids are like, ah, yeah. I don't want to speak to dad. Like. I was trying to figure out whether when he was talking to Scarlett Hansen about it, he was was he was he lying about that? Was he putting a, f- a face on, or did he, does he genuinely mean that? And the kids just weren't interested whilst he was in Japan. I feel uh, like there's a lot of different answers to that. I think he's lying to himself, maybe because after he goes out all night for the first time with Charlotte and he calls his wife, he's like sort of insistent that his wife tells him that he's told his kids to eat. Yeah, yeah, and like and. I th- again, I feel like you got the idea that he's he's just lying to himself that he's a bigger part of the life than he actually is, and he wants to believe that that implied threat would work. Well, they make a point about him missing birthdays all the time, don't they? Yeah, his yeah, own kids' birthdays. Yeah, I think when they call and he's on the phone to her in the street, she asks whether he wants to speak to his daughter, and he says yeah, and then she runs away as well, like rather than talk to him. I think I think it's a complicated one though. It's hard to interpret 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 and then the uh, the whole thing of like I think he's being genuine when he's saying the kids will grow to be delightful. I can't explain why what I mean by that though. But it's like I think sometimes kids are just stupid, aren't they? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I like the idea though that it's open to interpretation. I feel yeah, like yeah. I feel like a lot of this film is open to interpretation, and I think they're the best types of films. Like you can discuss that. But you, you'll never know, right? Especially the father with the kids thing. I think there's a lot of fathers who get with the kids later in life better than when they're actually children. Probably, yeah. It's uh, a really weird point to make. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a weird road to go down. But I think he might know that and be being genuine with saying that they'll grow to be delightful people. But right now, he doesn't care about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll like them when they're eighteen and have a, have a yeah. proper conversation with them. But when the kids, it's like. He's having his own midlife crisis almost. It's like that's taking his priority, isn't it? Yeah. That's taking all his headspace up. I mean, it just didn't touch on in the film that much about his relationship with his kids, which may say just as much as it being in the film. That might yeah. be the point. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's are even his kids named in the film? I feel like they are. At least one of them is. Don't know they are. The daughter, because she, she shouts one of them over, doesn't she? To uh, get on the call. So, no, like in the Sophia first... or something, maybe? I know in the first note it says you missed your son's birthday yeah, yeah, yeah. and a lot of this stuff it refers to his son or daughter yeah, yeah I, I don't even know their two names though so I don't know the, uh, I don't know the kids <laughs> can I just make a, a few quick points if that's okay uh, get to see a fax machine I've seen one of them for years uh, about one of the earliest scenes was in bed the fax machine kicks in oh like Four, ten in the morning or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, genius product placement. You get to see Suntory whiskey everywhere in this film. They must have paid a fortune to be in this film the way 
with the way the coverage they get in the film. They were like 25% of the film, basically. <laughs> like that's how, you, that's how you do product placement, make it a part of the actual plot of the film as opposed to just James Bond drinking a Heineken kind of thing. Work it into the actual script. I mean, there's literally one thing of him doing the advert where he's talking into camera at you and like breaking the fall, breaking the fall yeah. and you are like, I'm seeing how the advert was going to be. Not, yeah. not watching it because I think one shot was through the monitor that they have in the studio. There's the second shot is he. You'll see the actual advert. I did realize that shot where they give him direction and it sort of like pulls back and pans down to the monitor and then you see the him actually through the monitor. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Cool little sequence. And like, I only know now of some Tony Whiskey because of this film. You know what I mean? Like, it's words. Like, you know, if, how much they paid for that product. You're probably fans of the film, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I didn't realise like, like, he was an whiskey. I thought it was invented for the film. Oh, it's real, it's real whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise until after, like, looking at Trevian. Like, right, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But it's a big thing where, like, Hollywood actors, plus when they get to a bit that age, they go to Japan to do whiskey adverts. They get paid a fortune to do it. Yeah. So. Two million dollars. Two million dollars, yeah. 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 yeah, I think I'm pretty much out of notes, guys. Uh, one thing I just want to mention, I think anyone will be on, with me on this one, but the whole thing of like, it's like the whole thing's like a fantasy basically, and then like, if, yeah. if they went back together to the US, it's, it's not going to work. Like, it's a bit like in Seinfeld. I feel yeah. like we always bring back to Seinfeld, but <laughs> the episode where I can't, oh, what's the name of the thingy? Julia Dreyfus and uh, Alexander. <laughs> I can't think, but when she got those two get on because. He enjoyed bitching about Jerry behind yeah. his back kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? That's the only reason them two got on in that one scene. It's like this. They're only getting on because they're both stuck in Japan with no one else to talk to. It's like them bitching about Japan. Do you know what I mean? Like They're, yeah. they're both focused in... Not hate for something, but they're both focused in like them fighting against Japan in the same way. I can't even think of the names. But <laughs> the, way they, <laughs> the way they fight against Jerry kind of thing. Do you know what I mean by that? I, I, like, I, yeah. I totally understand what you mean. I think it's a stronger emotional connection between them in this than, you know, just something simple as being in a similar position. You know, I don't think there is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think it's literally they're, they're connecting over their common amusement with Japan. Yeah. I think, like, they have that common ground for that week that they're both in Japan. I think that is why they hit it off so well there and then. But, like, and I think if they did go back and sort of like that was their relationship I think they would just fall into the same relationships that they both had like we were saying earlier that he is he's like midlife crisis with his wife and kids and she would be staying at home not enjoying it because her husband's at work all the time which is her current situation yeah so I think they would just fall back into that pattern if they were back in America yeah Possibly, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine, like, getting back back home with 19-year-old Scarlett Johansson, being like to his wife, yeah, this is my new, new girlfriend now. Yeah. And his kids, are, she's not the one to his kids and stuff. <laughs> She'd be like, oh, I, forgot about the, <laughs> I forgot about all this side of it. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's a funny one, though, because it's, like, it's almost like the, the emotional connection between the two of them, that's almost up for debate, because it's never quite spelled out. Um, there's the final scene in the film which I think is an iconic scene to be honest yeah, yeah. where we were talking about cinematography before we were talking about Bill Murray stood in the playing golf central in the in the image the shot of them like hugging in the middle of a busy street with yeah. all, the, all the short Japanese people <laughs> walking yeah, around yeah, you're right, yeah. like they've, they've almost filmed that and shot that and it's like right here's these two in the middle and then obviously whisper something you don't hear it which is 
an interesting point because it's a film where you've not understood half the dialogue. Yeah. There's dialogue there that's in English that you're not allowed to hear, and all you see is the emotional reaction to that dialogue. You're that's all you that's all you know. So you can make your own mind up what was actually said there. And it was clearly emotionally impactful. Yeah, all you really get is they both say okay at the end, isn't it? And that's yeah. that's all you really get. Yeah. Well, that, but you can debate forever what what that meant. Oh, I don't I even think... think there is anything. I mean, it's like I oh, think wow. they just said to Bill Murray, just just make some stuff up. Oh, they did. <laughs> he he improved it, but I think they've actually said now what he actually said. We've got no fact. Oh, but it well, bear in mind, like this is obviously like not canon to the film, though, is it? This is officially what what is. Oh yeah, yeah. It's officially what he said, but it's not canon for the. It film. sounds more like Bill Murray, something he would say than actually. Okay. <laughs> Who are you gonna call? So, <laughs> is, this, is this what Bill Murray actually said on the set, or what on he, the set, or what the characters should have said? You know what? I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, we'll who, come back who, to that. Then. Who are you gonna call? Going back to Ghostbusters. The, the cinematography, the bit, the sequence immediately after where he where he wishes to hear where it's Scarlett Hansen walking towards the camera and Bill Murray walking away. I love that shot as well. Yeah. You've just yeah. got like a quite a tight close-up of um, Scarlett and then you see like just down the street, you see the back of Bill Murray walking away and then you just see her smile to herself a little bit. I like that shot as well. Yeah. 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 What I didn't like before that scene is like yet another cliche of him in the taxi you see the back of someone's head like with the hair look very similar. And it's like you know it's her all the time but then you are questioning is this one of those scenes where it's like, oh, you caught the wrong person? Yeah, <laughs> you pull on the shoulder. It's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, I just didn't like that. Loads of films do that. Like, like, they'll spot someone and they're like, oh, we'll show them. It's clearly the actress. And they'll go show them and turn around. Let's get a different actress. Yeah, yeah. Like, Hair's different. It's like, what were you looking at? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was actually her this time. Yeah. <laughs> I've not got it wrote down, but I've remembered what it was. Uh, he just quips to her, I have to be leaving now. But let's not let's not let that come between us. Yeah, and then she says, "Okay." So it, whether that's the onset thing that he said anyway, and it's not canon or not, I, can, yeah. I like that regardless. I think that's a that's like a Bill Murray joke to say kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, but but even in the context of the film, that would work. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah. What did you think of Kelly played by oh. Anna Faris? Worst, <laughs> like obviously, like the acting was fine, but like the most, like the whole point of that character when they're at that dinner, yeah. she's the most vapid, like human being possible. Like, yeah. it, I think it, the fact that you feel like that about it though means it's worse, and that she's done. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. I think no, it's great, I totally like. agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfectly well yeah, yeah. done. Like, yeah, I, like, yeah. Because I loved her press conference and uh, karaoke as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just adds like humour from her character yeah things. she's the anti Scarlett Johansson in the film it's like yeah. she's obviously the, the deep like mystery one and then you've got this this bloody clown <laughs> um, talking sure. about foundation or something like cleanser I'm sure there's some bit like she's in a press conference she's on like Keanu Reeves yeah was he in the film or did I miss it like, I didn't spot him he's, no, in, he's in the credits at the end but I don't know if it's like a thank you to Keanu Reeves or what but he's mentioned in the credits at the end so but I saw that I was like, did I miss him before in that scene when she mentioned it? But he might be just a thank you to Keanu Reeves or something like that. Right, create well, he helped create one of the best trilogies going, The Matrix. Was it was yeah. that being referenced in her press conference? Saying that Keanu died and was being resurrected. What <laughs> 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 have I just like? I don't know, but Sophie Coppola dated Keanu Reeves in the nineties for a bit, so 
Oh, well, why not thank him? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she met Keanu Reeves in Tokyo in a hotel. Thanks for dating. <laughs> I, could, I could see Lost in Translation work with Keanu Reeves in the Bill Murray role. I could see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That could definitely yeah. work. Definitely. Just a bit of trivia on that. Apparently, Sophia Coppola only wrote this for Bill Murray. Um, I like that. And if he wasn't going to do it, then the film wouldn't have been made. See, she wasn't going to do it for someone else. You tell me some, someone like that, and like, I've... I, I like the film a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Because I like the idea that I, I know I just said Keanu Reeves would fit into that. <laughs> but like, in terms of like the way that film works, it only really works in that way with Bill Murray. If it was Keanu Reeves doing it, you've got a different film. But I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's yeah. What should we do? Have we got any more points? Uh, um, the only other thing I was going, you know, the hospital scene and like. There's the two women like just laughing in the background. I couldn't find anything on it. Do you reckon that was just like they were just laughing? That was <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Because they're laughing at him doing that stupid ooh yeah. thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was good. I, d- I did like when um, she came out of the, the room after not understanding a word of what was going on. And he sat there with like a little plush teddy thing. And she's like, oh, oh is that yeah. for me? And he's like, I can't remember his exact words. It's like, I guess so. Oh, like, oh, no, it, it can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be. It's like, he bought that for himself. <laughs> um, he could have bought it for his kid. That's yeah. worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one last quick thing, you mentioned the karaoke as well. You get to see Bill Murray do karaoke for a bit. It's like, oh, Roxy Music. More, more than this is coming on. Great taste. And he, he clearly doesn't know the songs. He, he doesn't know any of the words to it. It's like, oh, not got great taste. He hasn't got a clue what, yeah. <laughs> what the song is. You know? Yeah. yeah. Okay, final thoughts then. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Um, yeah, really enjoyed the film. I like the idea of it's like they found each other as an island in an open sea. You know what I mean? I like, I like that. Um, I, I probably, if I was giving it star ratings, I'm going to regret giving star ratings one day because we'll go back to these like shows and listen to them and I, I'm not going to agree with any of them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'd probably give this a four and a half stars for myself. I, I really enjoy it. Um, like I said, it's one of them films you can put on, and you just don't know. You kind of experience it rather than watch it. It's like it's kind of just on. Uh, like I said, it's like a sequence of events. But the relationship in there, I think you know, it's a very valid relationship, and I quite like that. Um, yeah, so that's what I think. Yeah, uh, my only note for this bit is uh, it's longer than I remembered, and not as good. Uh, I think <laughs> it, it like a five star when I first watched it, but now it's like still really good, but. It's one of them things where there's a few things that might be problematic. Yeah. Not for me, but I'm watching it in terms of like the modern era and thinking that like people might find this an issue, yeah. but I don't I don't have an issue with it. But uh, yeah, I'll give it four stars. Yeah. Yep. I think I'm the opposite to you that <clears throat> I tried watching this before and only got halfway through because uh, I was just really hating it. Um, and it's got a lot better on this watch. <laughs> I'm the same as you, Sam. I watched this, I watched part of this years ago and I never really like got it. No, I, I think I was the same. And then it's it was shorter than I thought it was. Same, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly the same time. <laughs> One hour forty flew by for for my watches. Like, um, I don't mind like a slower paced film, but I admit to sort of getting a little bit uninterested in parts of this where it kind of slowed down too much. <laughs> um, other than that, I, I think I've enjoyed talking about this film maybe more than actually watching it and I feel like my rating has gone up because of that (laughs) so it's a full star for me you didn't use that logic when we were talking about the Matrix 
Well, the thing is, Joe, <laughs> um, this is a good film. <laughs> Go on, sneak it in again. Uh, so, sort of similar to what Sam just said, uh, I only watched this once, uh, but I think, like what you just said, I alluded to it at the start of the, well, when we first started talking about it, not the start of the episode. I don't think I would have liked this one if I would have watched it when it came out, but I watched it today and I really like it. Um, I've definitely said before that I like sort of more arty, although that's a crappy way to describe things, films. Uh, I really like films where nothing really happens. Uh, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I I get that some of it could be problematic, and it's not so much the, that that bugs me a little bit. It's, again, going back like, to what you said before, Sam, it's the repeated nature of it that yeah. gets a bit old. Um, I feel like if they would have just made like a height joke or not being able to speak English once or twice in the film... Yeah. It probably would be okay. It's that it's a running theme. And I get that that does add to the idea of the, the lost translation, but it does get a bit tiresome. But that's not going to knock it down much in my book. Um, it almost felt like a, I don't know if anyone's ever read a Murakami novel. No. Uh, he, he's a really good Japanese writer, but he does a lot of sort of like this sort of someone being lost theme and it's always pretty much set in Japan. It's a lot of music's a big deal. Norwegian Woods, his Biggest book. Is it the one like IQ? I, yeah, uh, IQ 84. 84, yeah. Um, but like, it almost felt like an adaptation of sort of one of his works. I really liked it. I would, don't know if it would go quite as high as a four and a half, but I think I'd definitely give it a four. I just add as well a bit of a Donnie Darko situation for me. I loved that one of 24 nowadays. Not not as bad as this. Uh, sorry, this isn't as bad as that. Okay. <laughs> but, Sorry, John. But it's a good film. Yeah, yeah I, I was. I I can put this in a similar box where I'd have thought I was a cool teenager if I was a fan of like Donnie Darko and like Lost in Translation. I'd have thought like you know I, this this is these are cool films. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but then uh, I'm like you, John, with Donnie Darko. It's one of them with Donnie. I'd love to do Donnie Darko if we've not already done it. Yeah. Um, that'd be a good. Show. <laughs> <laughs> have we done that? Well, next episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a funny one. Because like, yeah, I think I'd hate it if I watched it now. I loved it as a teenager. I watched it in my twenties. I lo- early twenties loved it. Watch it late twenties. I didn't watch really it. that. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I, I tried watching it recently. And I turned it off. I yeah, I, I well, yeah, like I've watched it relatively like a few years ago. But if I watched it now, I don't know. I might have turned around again. Maybe we, it's great if, again. If we say we're gonna watch Donnie Darko, you also gonna watch Son of Donnie as well. Well, I don't know if I'll go that far. <laughs> well, you normally do like the full series, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Is there some of... Oh, it's Son of Darko, I think, or something like that. Samantha Darko, isn't it? It's the, the, the sister, the younger sister. S. Darko, that's what it is. Is it S. Darko? Oh, I think it was Son of the Mask. <laughs> 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 but I've never watched it, though, so it could be... It probably is. It'll be bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we've naturally settled on Donnie Darko for the next film. How does <laughs> that sound? I'm well yeah. for it. Big Frank getting in the action. Yeah, do yeah. that. Right, there you go. Next podcast, Donnie Darko. There you go. There's, put that in your diary. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know when that's going to happen. I've already pretty much mentioned I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all been a lot. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, so. Um, okay, well. We'll, we'll wrap it up there then uh, yeah I've, I've had fun guys yeah cheers guys yeah thank um, you yeah uh, we're, I was going to say we're on 
we're on iTunes and all that, but what's the point? If you're hearing this, you don't need to know where. Yeah, why do people recommend us to your friends and family? Do five, five, yeah, five star five star rating. Yeah. Um, subscribe. Like and subscribe. Yeah. Um, Click that little subscribe with the little bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what they say. That's what they say. Uh, goodbye. See you later. Thanks. Cheers. For listening. Bye bye. Bye. Sayonara. Oh, hello. 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 Oh, hello